Welcome, one and all, to your Hawkeye podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. You didn't bring your own bag? The Hawkeye podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode four, Partners, am I right? Is brought to you by Daily's Daiquiris. Cool out, Clint. Pete, is that a cupcake I see over there? Are we celebrating somebody's birthday, by which I do not mean yours, but rather someone who we've never met? Happy 25th, Haley Steinfeld. Uh, there you go. I saw that on the uh, on the interwebs and so forth uh, as well. So, uh, I mean, Pete, I have to admit, I kind of was surprised she's only 25 because she's super talented and has graced our screens uh, in in you know many properties uh low these many years but uh i don't know lots and uh lots of great future ahead of her uh pete what else is on the radar so there was a great interview this week i had sent it to uh matt about uh or with i should say fra fee um in the hollywood reporter um Actually, uh, I did not know he's Irish. It makes a lot of sense uh, when you hear um, his his speech uh, on the show. But this is a guy who has musical talent who actually uh, begged and begged that they would try to put him in the Rogers, the musical scene. He wanted to just be in the back dressed up as an alien or something and then hit a hit a tenor note. Yeah, his enthusiasm came across in the interview. Uh, of course, Pete, he knows nothing about the next two episodes. Like, is there yes. anybody or anything? So and, he and anyone who might be in them expertly dodged giving out any information about he who shall not be named. <laughs> that's how. That's how you book more jobs by being a good team player. Um, so We're certainly, still we waiting have... for the echo show call however um yeah but i feel like that it was just officially announced last month it's been mm-hmm. rumored for several months i mean if you say oh it's not gonna be until 2023 it's gonna go into production second half of next year you know we're, we're kind of generally in line for that pete speaking of the schedule what else is in our marvel schedule at least short term so we will be together Going through the movies in a theater to see Spider-Man No Way Home on Thursday afternoon. Uh, And we will be podcasting it for you next weekend. Yes, we'll we'll have that in the uh, in the weekend spot there. Uh, Speaking of Marvel movies, Pete. Uh, the, shall we say, weekly boxed office, uh, week, W-E-A-K, uh, uh, Eternals will be on Disney Plus January 12th, so we can look ahead to podcasting that. Pete, making our Marvel movie podcast whole once again. Um, as for other schedule updates uh, on the TV end, a couple of things of note here. Uh, we'll have a normal a normal Hawkeye week next week. Um Hawkeye 106, uh, which is two weeks from now, um, is going to be dropping on December 22nd. We're going to be podcasting that the next day, December 23rd. So a little faster turnaround there if you want to share your thoughts. Uh, And Pete, when will we be 
doing the Hawkeye season one wrap. We will bring that to you the following week. Uh, so we'll give you dates in our Hawkeye finale podcast when you can get us your feedback, everything like that. And and part of, uh, well, in addition to, you know, holiday stuff uh, impacting things, of course, the fast turnaround between Hawkeye 106 and then one week later is when the Book of Boba Fett starts. So that's why we probably will be doing the Hawkeye season one wrap uh, prior to uh, whatever the Saturday is. What is that? Saturday the 1st, um, we'll be, which is when we'll be doing Boba Fett uh, episode one. So stay tuned, but certainly if you're somebody who, who eagerly gets us Hawkeye, uh, your Hawkeye th- thoughts, normal schedule for next week for Hawkeye 106, the season, perhaps series finale, uh, that'll be a podcast the next day, the day after it drops. Uh, so Pete, I think we've covered everything from Eternals next month to Hawkeye in two weeks to Spider-Man next week. Uh, anything else you want to hit from everything I've heard Hawkeye episode five is the big one. Pete, you've said that uh, for a couple of weeks now. So I guess big picture. I'm like, oh man, is that going to take away from 106? Um, but is more going to overshadow Spider-Man No Way Home? There's <laughs> they going to earn some honorary award for arranging them back to back days as Kevin Feige intended. I mean, people might think that that's hyperbole or that's impossible to hit or whatever. Let me just remind everybody, uh, there was the experience of watching the first season of The Mandalorian that had, you know, a slightly, um, what was it? They moved the one episode off of the Friday and onto a Wednesday to better, we said, oh, to better accommodate, because that's when um, Rise of Skywalker comes out. And then references made, I, I think we can be, spoilery here pete all these years later you know references made in that that mandalorian episode to what was it force healing and then we see it again in the movie two days later and you say oh my goodness this clearly must have been intentional on some level so maybe that happens next week yes (laughs) spider-man is going to heal a character from hawkeye with the force you heard it here first (laughs) pete Let's let's continue and move on here. Let's go through our run run recap. With Clint Barton at the end of Jack Duquesne's recently acquired Ronin sword, Kate and Mom come a running to find an Avenger in their dining room. Jack calls him Archer. So we quickly get the title card, then we're having tea at the dining room table. Does all of this somehow retroactively undo the dramatic uh, attention upon which we ended last time? I I do get the need to have an exciting ending of any episode, last week's episode. I get that we're not going to have a Jack Hawkeye murder fest R-rated slice them up scene here. Uh, In fact, it... Pete, I'm prepared to make the argument later that uh, perhaps Jack is going to be a good guy through the end of the season, even though that probably won't be the case next week. Um, But it was just weird to end with this, like, oh man, knife at his neck to 45 seconds of footage later, they're having tea at the table. It's a fast turnaround. 
I felt that as well. As they sit there, um, Kate tells her mother and uh, her fiance they're, uh, that she and Clint are working on a case together and they stop by the penthouse to use the bathroom. Kate says they're partners. Clint denies it. Uh, okay, more friends slash partners. Uh, Clint would not describe them as friends. Mom then gets a notification that someone used her laptop to sign onto her work account 10 minutes ago. Any thoughts, Kate? Hawkeye? Uh, old CB1, Matt, nobody calls him that, has trouble opening up. Um, and, you know, because Kate's so chill and all, she's able to do this, but she's definitely not chill. Okay. Uh, Jack, by the way, thanks Clint for saving the world. Uh, and mom needs the truth, which brings Kate to admit to logging in to her account because she needs info on an actual case with actual people who are in actual danger. I don't want to sound like a grumpus, Pete, particularly since this episode is highlighting the 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 the, the spirit of the season and so forth. To see Kate's enthusiasm where she's overselling their partnership, their friendship, and Clint, of course, doesn't feel that way and whatnot. I guess that's part of their evolving chemistry. I mean, it's clearly what they're it's clearly what the writing is looking for, the directing is looking for, what the actors looking for. To me, it just doesn't it continues to not be I think the mix that one would have hoped for and I don't know. Again, I don't want to dwell on it too much. It's just like I know that there's probably a scenario where it's like Hawkeye season 3 is all Kate Barton and look, special guest star Jeremy Renner for an episode. You know, that's where a lot of these, not recasts, but that not for nothing. That's where Black Widow 2.0 and Hawkeye 2.0 and, you know, um, Iron Heart. Like, that's where this is all, all headed. But it's, just, I don't know, there, there's something ever so slightly. There, there's different styles here that when they put the two actors next to each other in a two-shot doing their thing, it's like two separate things going on at the same time. But... Focusing on the story here, uh, there is a little, you know, double check here. Is Kate really helping Clint with an Avengers-level threat? No, although, yes, Clint admits that they are working together. And it's at this point, Pete, where Clint eyes that Ronin sword. So uh, he certainly is able to handle multiple objectives at the same time. I know when I have my retractable sword, um, I take it with the retractable side down and I put that up against the wall because in the Marvel cinematic universe, there's no gravity and that wouldn't collapse it again. Uh, Eleanor sees Clint out to the elevator and tells him that her daughter is not a superhero, which he already knew. He admits she's pretty good at it. And mom says, so was Natasha Romanoff. Oh, that's a burn, Pete. That is that, that is what the kids call a sick burn. He's going to need some dailies, daiquiris to cool that out later. She asks if he has kids, which he does not answer. Uh, she lets him know she cannot lose Kate. She asks him to forget the case, which he says he can't do, but he can ensure Kate stays safe. 
The elevator door closes, and Clint has reclaimed the Ronin sword that he was hiding. Now, retract. Uh, is that a word? Re retract or sword what was standing up in the corner for everybody to see, and he was able to pocket it and retract it and get in the elevator. I get it. I get suspension of disbelief, but I just feel like maybe here's how we stole it. There you go, because otherwise it just seemed a little silly. I personally would have loved, like, there's his coat on the side by the cabinet or whatever where the sword is propped up. Like, I would have loved to have seen him, I'll say palm, it's not literally palming the way one might a card, but I, I, don't, I don't know the proper thefty word. I would have loved to either see it, or Pete, you just do like a, just a full-on old-fashioned, like, you know, um, have a, you, you could do it if it's like, oh, it's going to take too long to have him like actually trick steal this. Okay. Have a static shot of the sword there. Then take the, stop the camera, take the sword away. Um, have him pick up his coat and walk by like one of these, you know, like we'll, we'll see in movies where it's like, uh, winter soldier runs to the side of the bus and guy chasing him. is like, where is he? And then the bus goes by and the person's gone. Right. Like you could have done that just with, you know, with a real basic kind of like effect there. So that we could see, even if we don't see, like, how does he hide it and how does he retract it? Just go, oh, Pete, he's that good. He took it. Now it's gone. Um, would that have changed the outcome? Not at all. I suspect Pete, with all due respect to directing team Bert and Birdie, that these there's a reason why maybe the, the middle episodes here are being directed by these two folks and the first two and the last two are directed by... Um, the other director who's also a producer on it like maybe maybe these are the least two important episodes of the season if so that's okay um we do have uh in the elevator clint texting laura wife laura to run a search for sloan ltd pete that's sloan limited which means it's a limited liability company um interestingly we then go quick back to eleanor who phones someone um and needs a call back. Then we go back to Clint and Laura for a scene that has some mystery to it. Pete, take us through it. Quite a bit. He gets a call from his wife who speaks in code with the kids around her uh, about Sloan Limited being really busy with Russian tracksuits. Clint surmises that Sloan is a front, and Laura adds that Jack is the CEO. Clint asks if he's the one laundering money for the big guy. Uh, Clint is going to need another day because he's stuck helping Kate until she's safe. Laura then switches over expertly into German, in which she asks if anything else went missing from the Avengers compound. And Clint references the... Rolex. We're going to talk a lot about that in theories. Okay. Uh, so what happens as this is happening is that Lily uh, knows it is her father over the phone and looks at uh, son Cooper uh, so that they both know here. Clint says that he thought the Rolex was destroyed years ago. Laura thought so, but she's thought the same about his fancy outfit. 
Uh, he asks her to check the signal from the transmitter. He tells her that he's a little banged up, but nothing's broken. After they hang up, Laura tells the kids he's going to be stuck at work a little longer. We go back to Kate uh, on a couch. We hear Eleanor kind of in the distance or muffled. Uh, Pete, it's a cinematic way to say that Kate's not really listening, regardless of how close Eleanor is. Spoiler alert, Eleanor is on the other side of the coffee table. Uh, Eleanor notes that Kate's always been a Hawkeye fan. Uh, Jack notes that he'd fall to pieces. stand, maybe, Matt, like the kids say? Uh, Pete, just perhaps, if they use such words in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if they do, Jack stands his hero. He would fall to pieces if he met Huey Lewis. Uh, Pete, once again, Jack is so swell. If they are setting up some sort of three quarters of the way through middle of episode five reveal, (laughs) Jack is a bad guy. And oh, do you remember all those puppies? Uh, from 101 Dalmatians, he out, you know, he he offed all of them too. Pete, it will break my heart. Um, Jack steps away. Kate is ready to rip him to shreds verbally to mom. Mom won't hear of it. Mom wants to talk about the company party. Maybe Pete's setting the table for a company party next week in next week's episode. Um, Jack comes back. He's dancing with mom. Pete, here's what I see. I see a lovely couple. I see Kate seeing that mom is allowed to be happy, okay, Mm -hmm. despite the untimely uh, death of papa all those years ago. Jack is a nice guy. Pete, have they cast a Breaking Bad to break good in this show? (laughs) I believe yes, and I'm prepared to be wrong next week. I just can't figure out Jack and uh, Tony Dalton, who... Again, already a star, now now an international star, thanks to this series. And I fully look, you know, is this a guy who could play, you know, uh, the con years from now, you know, and, and just the, the magnetism, magnetism that he has. It's, it's tremendous. He's, he is a wonderful performer the the dancing here the singing uh and you know brings it out of his uh scene partner in Haley steinfeld the the half embarrassed half happy look of a of a daughter uh as they dance here but matt life is short you never know what you're gonna get (laughs) pete i could only like Jack more as, let's reframe things slightly here, as Elnor and Kate tease Jack for his occasional English language malapropisms because, Pete, he only speaks two languages fluently. What a goofus. He does note, by the way, that here he, he notes he's in on the joke, of course, that, uh, that here he is being teased by his family. Pete, I want to believe in Jack, and I'm going to be so heartbroken next week when he's like, I killed people for Kingpin. I, 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 I want to see if they can find a way to not do it. Uh, that's what I'm really holding out at this point. But absence makes the heart grow older. Um, Eleanor is glad they're both there as we intercut Clint using the daiquiri pouches uh, back at um, Aunt Moira Brandon's pad to ice down buzzer rings it's kate bearing pizza and holiday cheer how do you carry a pizza 
Matt. Pete, I listen, I've never known what it's like to be a child performer who has to be mindful of of looks and so forth. Because uh, I suspect Haley Steinfeld has never needed to carry a pizza box before. Um, and that's probably good. Okay. I mean, look, pizza's delicious and warms my soul, but I understand there's carbs and cheese and all that. Um, she enters the room like she's a 20 something actress who's never held a box of pizza. Okay. It would be sloshing around there that heavenly concoction of molten cheese, red hot uh, tomato sauce on, on the dough there, which of course is cooked on the bottom and still just it, cooked, but not quite, you know, in that spot where the dough meets the, the sauce and the cheese in that heavenly concoction. Um, May I play devil's advocate? Sure. This soundstage scene undoubtedly filmed in Atlanta. Okay. Where they do not make pizza, <laughs> but instead something else called pizza um and perhaps Haley steinfeld merely showing it the respect it deserves Ooh, so it's very meta pete like how she's got a whole bunch of movies including the walter disney company's the santa claus available <laughs> on disc and also available on disney plus for people i was gonna who... say did did you also i was prepared to say uh, they're going to celebrate movie night with a medley of films only available on Disney Plus. However, just the first one is. Did you go through all the films like I did? Um, I, I didn't press pause. I was lazy. Okay. So she's also got uh, the Polar Express, not available on Disney Plus. Uh, uh, it's not. I think it is. It, it is not. I searched. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I she's... don't know. I don't know where we were watching that last week, or rather, when I walked out of it because I don't like soulless automatons but i digress she's also got national lampoon's christmas vacation not available on disney plus um okay i i would I say give them full-on credit for not shilling okay the first one is a a a, a movie they have on their service fair is fair okay um but full-on credit there for for mixing it up and acknowledging there are other films out there uh for christmas uh a little bit later we'll get it's a wonderful life which uh, i think is uh outside of copyright but certainly pete if disney likes anything it's copyright um i'll also i want to pause the question this isn't quite theory segment but i want to pause the question pete since they're watching it on disc and not watching it on Disney Plus, does Thanos only exist in universes where there is no Disney Plus? And does Thanos only kill trillions of people when there is no Disney Plus? Ergo, does Disney Plus keep trillions of life forms alive? Thanos was right. <laughs> Which is a mug that we see. Uh, I guess Kate's aunt uh, is a big Thanos believer or maybe ironic Thanos believer. Um, anyhow, Pete, we have it repeated here. Some bad news. Sloan Limited is a laundering front for the tracksuits. Jack is the CEO. Kate is going to multitask. She's got a whole quasi-whiteboard that's not a whiteboard uh, thing about how to take down the baddies. They're going to continue to have some drinky poos. Uh, more non-dog food is given to the dog. Uh, Pete, what's her what they're not showing is that uh, Clint Barton is out there at 3 a.m. just cleaning up after the dog and not in the convenient <laughs> way that Purina 
has you know developed food to give consistent movements uh, and all just that ruin this scene for me <laughs> he's just there he's he's got like a like a lukewarm but still somewhat cold yeah yeah exactly um he's there he's he's got the he's got the daiquiri and the dogs just and he's like oh man uh, it's a whole pete this is if jeff Loeb was still in charge we'd get that scene um <laughs> well that's a that's a good thing i guess um here's a new wrinkle pete clint needs his trick arrows back because he can't get more this is where you can explain to me how clearly i zoned out at one point because there's a great explanation that the story gives as to why clint barton just can't be in touch with whomever and get more trick arrows go pete so um he says there's no more trick arrows he says he has trick arrow heads but they can't be put on any shaft um clint then as they decorate the tree uh takes an ornament that's approximately the size of a coin and he says that he can knock someone unconscious from 20 feet with it a quarter or a nickel a dime's too light that exposition may prove important uh he proves it by snapping his finger and shooting it at the tv We've previously established in the MCU, he is not just good with arrows. Um, he took up golf. He played 18. He shot 18. So this works with characterization. Kate tries it. And on her third attempt, she's able to turn on the TV with the little object here. Um, she asks him about the best shot he ever took. And he says it's the one he didn't take. And he then discloses, after he doesn't want to disclose the story, uh, everything we knew previously about him not killing Natasha Romanoff when he was sent to Budapest to do it, including the first reprisal of the Avengers Endgame music of when... Natasha was sacrificed for the soul stone. We also get Pete in a little sneaky, sneaky guy move here. It's Hawkeye one reflecting on meeting with black widow one in an episode. That's going to have Hawkeye mm -hmm. two meet black widow two, uh, you know, and further, you know, not, not taking out the person and Pete five years from now when it's like, you know, Kate and Yelena were like, this is, and the amazing... shot she didn't take. Yeah, yeah. And we're gonna be like, this is the, this is gonna be the beginning. This episode is the beginning of this great, you know, empowering female friendship that's gonna, you know, take them to their late twenties, and we'll be mid, you know, century. And it, oh, it's just gonna be this is this is the spark, Pete. Also covered in this scene is uh, is a fact or two, and I think Pete, we can make some inferences. Uh, it is confirmed, of course we knew this, but it's confirmed to Kate that the rest of the Barton family was blipped. She says that must have been terrible or words to that effect. I think we can infer, Pete, that Kate and family therefore were not blipped um, because she does seem, with all due respect, kind of to the, the, the wonderful tragedy that is the opening of, of Endgame, Kate seems a little kind of 
nonplussed by it just in terms right. of you know cl- clearly it all worked out because everybody came back um so so and also we're all the thrust of this part of the scene is actually you know oh wait you are ronin so on and so mm-hmm. forth but it's not this like yeah it was tough too when i lost my mom yeah she says he was a hero but uh that he says in the end his job is always to hurt people to investigate first but then to hurt them which is what he did as ronin uh she says he's made mistakes but those are behind him but he says they're tied to him and his family that he can't go home until he fixes it but he really appreciates what she's done for him tonight tells her to get some rest big day tomorrow um and uh takes out his hearing aid before he flashes back as he's falling asleep here teaching his daughter how to shoot an arrow before the snap uh seeing the rest of the family before and after what with the ronin hairstyle and then nat telling him it's okay before leaping to her death May I also point out that this scene includes uh, Clint calling Kate kid and her calling him boss. I think just a little writerly way to make sure everybody's clear the nature of things and where things are not headed. Uh, The next morning, we are told via expositional radio announcer that it's three days uh, until Christmas. He's listening to New York's Christmas station, 1076 Light FM, which I like to point out is totally a ripoff of New York's Christmas station, 1067 Light FM. Why not just call the thing a thing? Oh, probably because some schlub in legal was like, you can't actually do it because then they're going to be like, wait, uh, hearing impaired uh, Avengers listen to us and now we're going to sue. So let's change it around. I say harumph, Pete. Where is the verisimilitude? <laughs> Clint tells Kate he's going to have a talk with Kazi. He wants her to track down trick arrows, which we're told they're no more of, from their friends, the LARPers. His tracer arrow stopped moving Uh, at an NYPD facility down by the Manhattan Bridge. Uh, He tells her that the LARPers are mostly first responders. One's a cop. Kate should see if they can get access to it. Go get their arrows. Um, Kate does just that. Hey, it's some of those familiar LARPers. I'm... Pete, genuinely surprised that they're back. That would not have been my writing choice. However, I see now that it's all a... Well, it's a one-two step. A, Kate is arriving, looking for the cop, and so forth. And B, Pete, I think we're setting up LARPers who make costumes. I can't imagine what the costume could possibly look like that the LARPers are going to make, you know, since Disney Plus hasn't updated the Hawkeye picture to include what the larpers are going to make in the next two episodes but i digress uh we're told it's just some minor evidence tampering apparently pete in the mcu the nypd rank and file are cool with such uh ethics uh breaks and so forth um kate will do in exchange whatever and the whatever isn't explained, which I'd like to say is not a good art of the deal kind of thing. You maybe want to agree to terms ahead of time. I understand it's being done for some mystery. 
Pete, what other thoughts do you have for this outdoor New York Park training moment? Uh, after Ice Wall and Superpower Doom, Matt, we are introduced to Officer Wendy Conrad. That if you know your comics, and we'll talk in our theory segment, has another name and does some other stuff. Ooh. She's better known as Ellsbath of Deepdale, but she is the contact here, the police officer that Clint was referring to. She's going to be the one to get into that facility. Um, and she's going to help if Kate can make it worth their while grills, you know, adding to that before we go to tracksuit mafia's new and improved used car lot HQ. Indeed. Kazi's walking out there, heading into his Toyota. Clint is in the back. Pete, as you know, one must always change their rear view mirror uh just so <laughs> to reveal people in the back seat uh clint has taken all the weapons we'll just cover that right now clint's taken the gun that was going to be i think under the seat or wherever the gun was he's also taken the knife that was in the visor he's taken the box cutter from under the seat with the left hand and all that uh it is noted by clint that kazi is both a doormat and a perpetual lieutenant the idea being pete he can't advance under uh, Papa. Was that William Lopez? He can't advance with Maya. Ultimately, the Ronin situation needs to be put to bed. Clint does not want anyone else to die. However, Maya's revenge, or her need for revenge, uh, is risking getting her killed. This is Clint's final warning. Kazi knows what Maya's boss wants. Uh, he knows... Uh, what he's already done to get it. Uh, and Clint knows he, you know, the boss, uh, doesn't like this attention. So these are all uh, tracks we're again laying for this big reveal. Uh, Clint says that it's up to Kazi to convince Maya she's chasing a ghost. And then he leaves. And the great shot through the back uh, window of the SUV there of Jeremy Renner throwing the gun. Yeah, it's definitely a fun little moment. Back at Kate's aunt's apartment, uh, the LARPers are there. Uh, there's some some snickerdoodles being made. They're all hanging with Kate as they do cosplay, or do they call it LARP play? I'm not I'm not quite sure. Uh, Kate is going to get them material for. For new costumes, wait, maybe two more, like the Disney Plus art for uh, this show. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, Pete, the aforementioned officer, arrives, arrows in hand, or rather arrows in bag. I'd like to point out that Clint uh, takes the woman's bag, despite saying that he has no bag, despite having a bag on his back. Your thoughts? Yeah, what's the bag embroidered with, Matt? Um, uh, it's a border with something from her wife. I don't, I didn't write down what it was. Bombshell. We're going to talk about old bombshell Ooh. a little bit. Um, Orville overhears they're getting new costumes here. Uh, but Clint asked Kate to retrieve the arrows, not stage a play. There's a text from Laura in the middle of this that the Rolex wasn't destroyed at Avengers Compound. 
um, the transmitter is signaling from 3715 Godfrey Road. Um, and with the uh, arrow retrieval mission complete here, uh, Kate promises that the bag embroidered bombshell that belongs to Officer Wendy Conrad uh, will be returned. Or maybe that'll be why this character becomes a villain and an enemy of Kate and Yelena down the road. Uh, to that address, our heroes go. Uh, it's now nighttime. Uh, in fact, Pete, to be fair, they're not at the address. They are across the street on the roof of a uh, of a place looking on into to, to uh, the spot where the Rolex is. I guess it is through Clint's uh, intuition that the lights are out on a particular apartment. Therefore, that's where the Rolex is. I'm kind of realizing that's maybe a bit of story baloney. Like it could be the floor above where the family's watching a movie or whatever that could be the Rolex as well but story-wise it's clear we see the intention it's this it's this uh dark apartment here why are they surveilling from where they are surveilling it is a more you know moment Clint telling Kate that uh, there's good sight lines to be able to see all the exits Clint monologues about the plan how he's going to do this and he's going to do that suddenly Kate is gone indeed she's going in when she's at the uh, sidewalk of the apartment building, he suggests that she use the grappling hook arrow. Uh, however, instead, she uh, gets in by smiling as a resident is making his way into the building. She's going to help with the bags, make chit-chat and whatnot. And uh, Pete showing that there's more than one way to skin a cat. In the elevator here, she's talking into the earpiece, and she gleefully tells the man that she's talking to an Avenger in her ear uh, that it's her partner and it causes him to take the bag and leave her in the elevator. She arrives at the floor of the apartment asking what Clint does about his giant bow problem. Of course, his is collapsible. She picks the door lock and then arrows with the putty or the purple slime, whatever we're going to call it, Two silent flashing alarms look like strobe lights. Uh, she's looking for the vintage Rolex. It belongs to someone Clint used to work with. Is that the whole story? Uh, that person has been out of the game a long time, but their identity is still attached to the watch. If the tracksuits find out, well, that would blow their cover goodbye friend and it's at this point that kate's flashlight finds the watch it also finds a notebook with the names and ages of uh clint's family with the exception of nate uh but his name is on there okay uh she is then told by clint that this was a silent alarm and we see a photo of Maya and her father on the shelf. And then Barton starts grunting. Yes, he's being attacked. Uh, at just about the same time, Maya is in the apartment attacking Kate. 
uh, Maya's here, says, uh, says Kate. Yes, I know, says Clint. This moment of confusion turning into who could possibly be attacking Clint? I've watched all the Marvel movies, including one this summer, Pete. I have no idea. Uh, Mid-rooftop fight there, Clint is able to fire a zip line, letting Kate uh, start to zip away towards him. She gets stuck halfway through, which is kind of odd, since Clint supposedly should have known where he was aiming and all of that. But uh, it leads for a great moment where Kate is kind of powerless to help. Um, the masked baddie attacking Clint uh, pulls the line by way of the fight that lets Kate make her way to the roof. A moment later, Maya is there. Pete, are you ready for, you know, uh, gal versus gal versus gal versus guy fight action? Well, you you did not reference the first tell of who it was, that being visual, uh, when Kate was stuck halfway across the zip line. Uh, Clint's attacker then hits the line, uh, lowering it so Kate can come the rest of the way. She kicks the masked attacker, and it results, Matt, in a disgusting landing. (laughs) Uh, Indeed. It's interesting to watch this, to have watched this the first time, and it's supposed to be a mystery but like i saw the end of black widow and you know in the summer uh nonetheless in the moment this is super fun here um the fight continues uh the masked attacker definitely can fight she uses red shocky things around her wrists to take out maya albeit temporarily the masked villain um briefly fiddles with kate's belt and then flips kate off the building oh no what happened? Uh, turns out that that uh, Kate's belt has been tied to the wire. So as Clint goes to, maybe not, he doesn't mean to rescue her. He means to say, "Oh no, she's dead!" And to find out that she's five feet below him, dangling from a from a from a wire. Uh, he is, of course, relieved. Uh, he cuts her down and has her lands on not breaking Christmas lights that slowly let her kind of make her way back to the ground. Which, again. It's another thing in this episode that's like, I don't totally buy it, but I totally accept it because you showed me, you showed how it happened the way you wanted it to happen, not the way it would necessarily be in real life. But hey, um, and also adding to the but hey spirit, Pete, Kate is able to run right, right up the stairs so she's not off the rooftop for long. And it echoes, of course, that's a lowercase echo, Matt. Uh, what happened with Natasha Um, and the the music again is uh, key to referencing that but Kate gets back up there Uh, she shoots an arrow which blasts everybody down their heads are all ringing Uh, Kate then hits Maya in the left shoulder with an arrow she runs uh, Clint unmasks his assailant <gasps> and then gets shocked by the gauntlets. Uh, Kate lines her up in the sights there, and Yelena Belova shakes her head ever so slightly, and Kate lowers her arrow. And then, it's the shot you don't take, Pete. It's like it's they the said earlier in the episode. Take. And then maybe, I mean, listen. Yelena Bulova is a baller, just like uh, her uh, 
you know, uh, sister, the the adopted sister, right? The the sister you're not really a sister with, and puts the grappling hook into the roof and does the full on I'm a jump. I'm a look back at you as I jump. She knows how to make an exit in addition to an entrance. Pete, I wanted to be a little down on it. Maybe I was when watching it because I was like, oh man, I know exactly what it is. Um, that doesn't take away from the, I don't know, the power of it and the fact that these great characters are sharing the screen and so forth. Um, with the fight now over, Kate, of course, wonders who that was. Uh, Clint, perhaps sensing that the episode's coming to a close, says that Kate is not his partner, particularly now that there's a Black Widow assassin involved. Clint is doing this alone. He's pushing Kate away. Do you hear me, Pete? Does Kate hear Clint, Pete? It's over. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? It's a theory. Pete, explain this to me now. Why is it that Clint can't get more trick arrows from somewhere in this world? I think the implication is Tony Stark's not making them anymore, but he had a Pym Particle one. So that seems a little dodgy. That seems like what I tell you at the time. And perhaps, Matt, it's a mistruth. Okay. Maybe it was a way of like, hey, kid, go over there and do this for me. It was busy work. It was hero busy work. Maybe. I like that as, an, as a possible explanation. Pete, is there a Clint and Laura connection to the big guy the question of whether uh laura barton knows the big guy did she maybe work for the big guy did she maybe work matt at a little organization called shield along with clint barton is that where they met uh tony stark has previously proposed that she was an agent back in age of ultron when they met the family. Um, the real question people are asking Matt is, will Laura Barton eventually be revealed to retcon in the Marvel cinematic universe, the identity of Bobby mockingbird Morse? Um, I don't hate it as a theory on its merits. I know that I have. I know that we have frequently brought up, you know, the fight between Marvel TV and Marvel Studios, and we've had some fun with that. And I know that our time with those shows, particularly the OG Agents of Shield, that is special. And I am Shield loyal, even though there were times in the series, you know, that that it was less than amazing and all that. I also have said, you know, fairly seriously. I would not count out the possibility that sometime soon um, it's going to be made clear, hey, those people that you loved from the Marvel television era, they're back and they're slightly repurposed and Jeff Loeb, <laughs> Jeff Loeb's universe is not the same as the MCU. Kevin Feige says so, whether that's, you know, uh, how Kingpin looks different. And I know, Pete, you've offered up theories on how it could be the same character that's been super soldier serums. Uh, to, to be more comics accurate, blah, blah, blah. Pete, well, Matt, if... do, 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 I, I've just been handed an urgent bulletin. Okay. I don't know what it says. Uh, sure. Kevin Feige 
uh, has said that uh, Charlie Cox uh, will be Daredevil in the Marvel Cinematic Universe if and when that character appears. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he's the same guy. And similarly, if we find out in some sort of flashback episode next week that that Linda Cardellini is playing Bobby Morse, who's now gone by, you know, Bobby Laura Morse, and she's gone by her, she went by her middle name to her friends, or you know, how, however, to sit and to sit and jive the two, you know, that's when that might be the first opportunity where you say, "Ooh." Like, that's all it would take, Pete, to be official that Marvel television is not the same as the MCU if that's something that wants to be done. The minute she goes, yeah, with uh, with Clint, I go by my middle name. You know, or if it's with Kingpin who says, I've always been this monstrous blah, but, you know, and so forth. Ooh, that's it. Or if it's, you know, lawyer, if next week uh, Peter Parker hires brand new lawyer, Matt Murdock, who just graduated law school. And you go, oh, well, that doesn't fit the timeline. Like, any one of these... Would he dare that devil? <laughs> you know, any one of the... It doesn't need to be some sort of, you know, kind of big repudiation. The minute there's one of those things that is a serious and intended contradiction, which is to say, not a not a flub, not a mistake, or, or that kind of thing. The minute there's one of those things, you just go... Okay, you don't need further evidence. The one bit of evidence separates those universes. Um, I know this, Pete. I'm excited to get... Like, I did not know I wanted more out of uh, Laura Barton. And in this episode, which I liked but did not love, to walk out of it saying, Okay, well, I got the surprise. You know, uh, uh, Yelena's in it. Uh, it It's a great scene. I'm not... I'm too cool to be blown away by it because I knew it was going to happen. Um... To then also walk away and go, wait, I don't understand Laura. I thought she was just there to be like, hello, I am wife and mom. This is what normal is. All you people in Age of Ultron, you're the weirdos who don't <laughs> who don't want to enjoy life. Instead, you go out and do all these things. I'm home for this guy. And look, in Endgame, that pays off majorly because you say, oh, we're finally seeing Endgame. Congrats. This guy's family is dead. And you go, what, what the heck is this movie? Um, but that, that there could be more to the character than wife and mom is super exciting. Let's bring it on with Emmy nominee from dead to me, uh, Linda Cardellini taking a, hopefully a bigger role next week. We're told the Rolex is vintage. It's years old that it belonged to someone Clint used to work with. It appears to be a man's watch. Is this connected to laura is she the one whose identity could be outed and then goodbye friend it it, it does seem like there's this weirdly shaped mystery that that you know again part of the surprise of this episode is i don't i don't completely understand what you're doing with this laura stuff and all of a sudden now it's like oh, it's not just that Ronin was out there killing bad guys and one of the bad guys was Kingpin and the tracksuits and the tracksuit senior management got killed and now it's a, we want to get the guy that killed us. Like, there might have been some intention. She knows about the big guy. Like, there's a real subtle 
hard left turn that this character takes and frankly that this story takes that makes me appreciate the episode more and more um because i'm i'm saying who's a man who might have owned a vintage rolex yeah pete if it's somebody who we don't know if it's somebody in laura's world who maybe we do know we're surprised she's related to so-and-so or connected so-and-so at shield but it's not like which avenger man used to wear this watch i mean that could make next week's episode all the more surprising also pete let me get in a quick side theory here this week shortest episode of the season yet um i'm expecting i'm expecting a 55 minute or next week and a 50 minute or for 106 uh all signs point to it here um laura has access to the transmitter on the watch i think that also points to her as the owner i'm not saying it's her watch perhaps it belonged to somebody else and came into her possession but either way they seem to really be linking her with it um who did eleanor call i'm not sure who eleanor called I'm not sure who Laura's person was that she called or got in touch with to get more information. And I don't know if the absence of knowing is the fault of the episode or, again, if it's this weirdly shaped, like, we're going to get the answer next week where you go, oh, man, here's here's the answer that fits everything, whether it's multiple characters, you know, whatever it is. Next week you go... I didn't know I had major questions. I thought I had minor questions. Turns out it was major setup that was just like, oh, I talked to a person. So I don't know, but I want to know. There you go. Uh, Jack seems to genuinely care about Eleanor. The aphorisms. um, Are these some kind of a key? I mean, I don't. I I don't fully believe it when I say, oh, he's a great guy, Pete, and you know, blah blah blah. That's why I'm giving myself enough room in the recap to say, yes, they clearly, probably, almost certainly are setting up a bad turn for him. In the interim, I love how they are setting him up to be so kind, and especially like the the ills that we've seen him do on camera it's kind of that you know upper crust like rah, 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 here we are in our secret uh, auction uh do we all have our super expensive brandy fine yes he's also the ceo of this company that's money laundering for the bad guy and i'm fully prepared for like some sort of like you know wall street cheater cheater comeuppance you know i know i had said you know he's also gonna be guilty of killing all the puppies and 101 dalmatians i do think that we're gonna need next week some sort of shorthand to you know if he's gonna take a turn it's gonna be more than that's right i am involved with money laundering for the russian track suits like i think we'll need something where it's like i don't know some sort of some sort of kind of shorthand to say look here i am i here's the footage of me killing someone in cold blood or something like that well when they're all out of trick arrows in episode six and jack has the ronin sword on clint it's going to make a lot of sense when kate uses a coin sized object to kill her future stepfather 
Um, I would agree. And Pete, I'd like to maybe go... Let me return to, oh man, Jack needs to kill somebody to prove his badness. Um, Two-part question for you. Are we sure which side of good or bad mom is on? And oh man, Pete, can you think of anybody who might be on the good side and Jack might kill to prove that he's a terrible person? Maybe next week. If he kills Eleanor... Like, yeah, that would do it, right? Then you'd be that like... That it's it. Yeah. That it's it. Going from the the love and the care um, and evident to Kate in this episode, that would do it. That might tell us Thanos was right. <laughs> Oof. Um, Pete, I have two slightly easier theory questions here. Let me give you the first one right now. Oh, man, will Yelena return next week? Really? <laughs> yeah. I want you on the record because it is possible. Uh, here they've created this itch. Maybe she doesn't show up next week and shows up in 106. What do you think? I think she's here for the duration. Thank goodness. Uh, Pete, last one from me. It's that special time when I ask you, will Clint get home for Christmas? It's in three days. I'm going to answer a question with a question and not to annoy. Um I'm going to ask, given this episode, have they set up a situation where he can ever go home? And doubling down on that, Matt, will the end of this season series result in the demise or writing out of Clint Barton? I think you don't kill off Clint Barton even if the intention is, and I'm making this up, I'm making this factoid up. Um, I know we've had other shows we podcast. I'm trying to blank on what we're like. Somebody has a one season contract and somebody has a two season contract and you figure stuff out from there. Um, but let's just say Jeremy Renner has a one season contract. Let's say that, uh, that uh, Haley Steinfeld has a, a more open-ended contract. And let's, let, let's say we knew that as a fact that still doesn't kill him off. It could be, oh, special guest star, you know, get, you're you're doing the passing of the torch, but you don't need to necessarily snuff his. Pete, what if there's another Barton that Jack could kill off to prove his terribleness that would actually genuinely really hurt we, the audience if it happened in the next two episodes? Or maybe if there was another bad guy who killed off a Barton, uh, any thoughts there? I mean, the number of directions that this could go, I think, has has amped up interest. And that's the design here on drama. So, you know, knowing that Yelena was the one on the roof, the easy misdirect of, and no, it's instead Ant-Man. You know, side note, first episode without an Ant-Man at least a visible Ant-Man reference. We all know he's there. <laughs> he's always there with us, Pete. He's what always a... there. You can't see him. A uh, couple other things, Matt. So Officer Wendy Conrad, nicknamed Bombshell in the comics, villain. Uh, have they just established here a character who is going to continue to be around and grow and have this massive arc or was this a throwaway reference 
I feel like if you tell me from if you have Mission Impossible into Disney Plus or whatever, if you tell me that in the next two episodes, Wendy Conrad, aka Bombshell, is going to have more than a role of "Hey, let me get you this for that" or whatever, um, I would be shocked. Now, if there is some sort of you know, vague Marvel plan that like in season two, in two years time, we're going to do something with her. And we have a contract with this, uh, shall we say less prominent actress um, to whoa, give us whoa, that whoa. flexibility. Pump the, pump the brakes there on a dead Poe Thomas, Matt. Uh, she of black lightning. She of the outsider on HBO. Okay. Because I think you might be missing the boat. Okay, you know what, Pete? If I don't know her as well as I should, um, then it's she all the more. She's an Atlanta-based actress. Okay. Okay. Uh, but this is somebody who one has comic cred, okay, and two has been in some stuff and is continuing to get a lot of work. Okay, played the character of Jamila Olson on Black Lightning for uh, 2019 and 2020. Okay, and I don't think this was just a throwaway situation. I would agree. Now, but 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 back to your original question: Are they doing it with a plan? That is that is essentially what you were asking. Is the plan that in season two or in this season or whatever it might be, Black Widow two, when Kate and Yelena have to team up and uh bombshell is their crossbones i'm gonna say it's with the open door but not with a not with a solid plan uh however they could have not named her does not make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without a plan (laughs) he makes his lunch and he considers but wait how could this impact spider-man 8 in 15 years and he wouldn't be wrong lunch cinematic universe it it's <laughs> all connected matt if your entire family had been snapped away by thanos and if thanos was right got your attention on a urinal would you drink out of a mug that said thanos was right i feel like for Clint Barton to drink out of a Thanos was right mug, it would be like uh, it, it would be like um, it would be like Katy Perry, who let's not forget sang at part of the uh, inaugural evening events uh, when when the president was sworn in. It would be like K- uh, Katy Perry being like, "Oh man." It's raining out. Sure, I'll take this red hat with white writing on it and pop it on my head with no worry about it. I think it's that level of difference in the discourse. So I do call, I guess, somewhat story baloney. Uh, Pete, if you want to do a psychological deep dive and say, oh, well, it's just proof that Clint is, uh, is um, I don't know, he, he, he's feeling less passion in his life or, or, or things like that. But it, it, it's a weird contrast to have. Matt, I'm going to open up right now my real Daily Bugle newspaper that was given out in New York City. 
Um, you know, the one that on the cover of it uh, says Spider Maniacs, Web of Destruction, Tardiness, Truancy, Total Cars, Peter Parker Truth Revealed. Um, I'm going to flip in to the interior back page, by the way, loaded with Liberty Mutual ads, which is apparently in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. But now showing there is a Rogers the Musical ad inside this Sony Spider-Man fake newspaper. And then, Matt, I have a tip for our listeners. Uh, Pete, let's hear what that tip is. If they have a Spidey tip, they can call right now. Now, Pete, month. let me just confirm. This is this is not a bit. This is not a joke. This is in, albeit the fake newspaper, but this this is a real marketing thing in the this fake is. Daily Bugle. Bugle. This, okay. This is, and I'm giving it to people outside of the New York City area so that they can call it and uh, give a tip to an actual phone number. So you may want to get a uh, 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 piece of paper and something to uh, write down on it with. I'll give you a second. Pete, go ahead. What's the number? The number is area code 609. And then the remaining numbers here, I'm going to, we'll have to spell out. You will find on your uh, phone the numbers to put in. Okay. We then have SPDY. That's Spidey. And then the last three letters are tip so the number again 609 spidey s-p-d-y t-i-p spidey tip so feel free to make the phone call um i'm not going to tell you what's on the other side of it again this is a real thing you can tell them fantastic geek specifically spoiler pete sent you We're dashing through the snow to the mailbag. Pete, our poll this week, okay? Nice vest. What did you think of episode four? Vote and reply, Archer. Uh, The first choice was one target, silent alarm, got 2.9%. The second choice, two targets, old watch, got 0%. Three targets, pizza and cheer, got 32.4%. And then uh, four targets. Thanks for saving us, which was a jack line. Pete, not enough people are saying to Hawkeye, thank you for saving the universe. Uh, but 64.7% of the respondents here uh, did. Some replies to our tweet. Um, first one from James the Sagacious. It's at Big Killin on Twitter. Loved it. This casting duo is magic and the show really can't miss. The writers delivered on so many levels. The tone was so low-key. I didn't expect an action scene, much less a cameo we've been waiting for. They've managed to keep it fun even though the stakes are high for Kate and Clint. We heard next from uh, Andre Yeager. That's at Dr. Polo in 1983. Laura has definitely been in on the spycraft business. She switches languages with Clint on the phone like a pro and knows everything that he does. Jack and Eleanor have competing agendas. Something's got to give. Next episode's going to be epic. I think the big boss is going to show up. Plus, Yelena is definitely going to pop back up. Lastly, who's the owner of the watch? That was the first thing Laura asked about. Definitely important. 
Uh, we heard next from J Philly B. That's at J Philly B for fandom. Really enjoying uh, Kate and Clint's dynamic, especially the Christmas celebration. Surely they're overlooking the most obvious solution to getting their arrows back when the final member of their trio is a real life golden retriever. <laughs> not a bad observation there, J. Philly B., uh, who goes on to say, not trusting Eleanor or Jack, but is it possible that it ends with their relationship being a setup for one to take down the other? Can't wait for Laura to show up in NYC and save the day. Is the watch connected to her? On the edge of my seat for episode five. Uh, Pete, it's been a while since I've watched an entire one of these you know, uh, shows that we podcast, whether it's Marvel or Star Trek. It's been a while since I've watched one before work that this might be a get up a little early next Wednesday and 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 watch it you know anyhow next up from Spider-Ham Lincoln that's at Tess LC 139 I liked the quaint Xmas moments in Clint's apartment with Kate nice character development Clint pushing Kate to uh, pushing away Kate to protect her was predictable and necessary for story progression good to see Yelena again uh what's with the watch theory it has something to do with laura's past was she former shield is that where she meant uh met clint so pete looks like great minds thinking alike there mm-hmm. uh next tweet from darren bell that's uh darren b4605259 which pete might be the spider-man number i don't know i don't it might not be <laughs> but just throwing it out there maybe darren bell is spider-man uh, felt this episode was a slow burner, but the last 10 minutes were so good. It seems Eleanor might know Valentina. Uh, could be a red flag. Ooh, I like that. Uh, also, if Clint manages to sort things out with Yelena, could Fontaine replace her with Maya? Uh, could Crapton America make an appearance? So, Pete, a couple things here. Will we get, in the next two episodes, let's let's respond directly to Darren here. I want you to respond. Crapton America, a.k.a. U.S. agent, will he show up in the next two episodes? No. Will uh, Valentina show up? No comment. Ooh. Uh, next from no. Uh, next is from Noel Gardner, Pete, our captain for whom a musical should be made. Uh, that's at Noel Camille on Twitter. I really didn't think I was going to care about this show. I should know better by now. Clint and Kate are so good together. I think Jack is a misdirect. Yes, Noel. Hashtag Team Jack. Uh, Eleanor is definitely up to something. Who did she call? Uncle. I knew more Natasha feels were coming, but they didn't have to do that parallel. What's up with Laura? My money is that she's a former agent. Could they retcon her, retcon her as Mockingbird? Yelena is on the scene, and I'm preparing myself for their second meeting. I have a feeling tears may be involved. Pete, do you think Eleanor called Uncle? Absolutely. Ooh, okay. Um by the way, on the Mockingbird idea, uh, Darren Bell likes that. He replied there. Next up from Derek Bruff. That's at Play First R Token. I think they are teasing us with the Netflix Kingpin, just like they did with the X-Men's Quicksilver in WandaVision. Ooh. Uh, it's something to get the hardcore fans excited, but it won't turn out to be a thing. On the upside, the Christmas cheer slash mission really planning... really Vince Vaughn, right? <laughs> What's that? It's really Vince Vaughn instead of uh, <laughs> Vincent uh, D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. <laughs> wow, Vince Vaughn playing a villain. <laughs> Money, baby. Anyhow, Derek Bruff uh, continued to say, on the upside, the Christmas cheer slash mission planning evening with Clint and Kate was so entertaining. Their chemistry just gets better and better. Uh, we heard from LMD Mary. That's at Geek Kirk. Uh, I'm ready for Chekhov's coin flip to save the day. Hashtag okay. Kate Bishop. 
uh, Snow Goggles. That's at Snow Goggles, which is a great name on Twitter. Uh, Snow Goggles says that episode was brilliant. Uh, And last but certainly not least from Barton Stan. That's at K-C-L-Y-L-E-1 on Twitter. Stupendous episode. Quiet, heartfelt moments. Great action. And not one but two Black Widows, sort of. The family scene was great. So many great things. Still too short and not enough echo. Maybe king emoji, pin emoji. I respect Barton Stans keeping it quiet there. Uh, But maybe that person won't show till the end as a bridge to another show. Seems to be getting late in the show for him to play a huge part, especially with Yelena in the mix now. Only a couple days till Christmas. These last two episodes better be long. Lots to wrap up and not a lot of time to do it. Pete, I wish I had done the math to see where we're at in the 300-minute range, but I stand by what I said before. This is a shorter episode, 55 minutes next week, 50 minutes, maybe 45 for the season-slash-series finale. Are you counting post-credit scenes? Um, yes. I, uh, in my math, I am counting the overall runtime what was I doing that for WandaVision? Pete, uh, the credits for Hawkeye are not super long. They're maybe three minutes. So when I see a 40-minute episode, as there was this week, I don't say, oh, it's actually like 32, and then we got to do the title card, and we got to do the previously on, so it's actually like 30. Like, to me, it's you round down a little bit, but not a ton. Um, am I including post-credit? I mean, I'm including post-credit scene and maybe four minutes of credits there. Okay. To the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, Matt, where David Havelka writes in, Re Hawkeye, uh, episode four. In the tag scene of Black Widow, Val showed Yelena a photo of Clint in his Ronin costume without the mask on. How did she get the photo? Now in Hawkeye, episode four, Clint admits to Kate during his Ronin days, during the blip, he was used as a weapon by someone. Fury and Hill were gone during the blip. So I propose this fantastic, with a PH, theory. Clint was working for Val as Ronin during the blip in a test of what is going to be her Thunderbolts slash Dark Avengers team. And now that Clint left reunited with the Avengers in Endgame, she is setting Yelena on his trail to kill him and tie up the loose end. I mean, I can't argue with that logic one bit. I think that um, I'll ignore your no comment as to whether Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in you know, any part of the next two episodes. Clearly, she's game, right? Like, clearly the actress is game. This is not... Um, Glenn Close and Guardian saying, all right, I'm going to hold my nose and do these scenes to like make money for my grandkids or fund the next project. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is ready to go with this character. I won't say necessarily like as needed. It's not like she has nothing else on her schedule, but clearly she's ready to be a part of this for the next 10 years, a little bit here, a little bit there, and so forth. So the ability... Pete, the ability to have Yelena, Kingpin, Clint, Kate... Uh, Eleanor, Jack, uh, 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 Val, and more in the next two episodes. More Echo, um, more Kazi. Like th- th- Pete, 
Have I have I underestimated how long these episodes can be? Dare we say an hour for one and fifty for the other? That's probably a bit much. But it's a ninety minute Christmas gift on the twenty oh, second. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. Let's let's get through Wednesday and Thursday next week, Matt, which I think are going to be seismic. To Patreon, Matt, which is unusual because we don't normally get uh, feedback messages for individual episodes via Patreon. But OA4 has written in Hawkeye episode four, spoilers and theory. Hi, all. Okay, after getting through the amazing episode four, I have a theory and I kind of hate myself for it. That watch that they're after would supposedly expose the identity of someone close to Clint. I think the person he's protecting is his wife, Laura. Now, here's why I hate this, because I'm pretty sure I know who she's going to be. And it would be a final nail in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. canon coffin. I've headcanoned my way through so much with the season five Thanos fiasco and time jumps in both the show and the movies that don't quite work with each other. But what I won't be able to headcanon is this. Laura Barton is also an ex-spy, specifically Barbara Morse, a.k.a. Mockingbird, the wife slash ex-wife of Clint in the comics and the amazing character played by Adrian Palicki in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And she would be the first Marvel TV character to be recast and brought into the MCU completely rebooted. But all that said, I would love it so much. Sorry, fellow AOS lovers. I'll see myself out. Until next time. Yeah, as I said before, you know, regardless of the motivation, whether it's purely storytelling or, you know, uh, Kevin Feige's been waiting for the right time to get personal revenge against Jeff Loeb, who was so arrogant in saying he was the equal of Marvel Studios and all that. Regardless of the motivation, it just takes one line. The minute she says, yeah, I'm glad I retired as Mockingbird, boom. It's two separate universes or, or, or whatever else. There's no way to, oh, well, she's Mockingbird 1 versus Mockingbird. No, it'll just, that'll be it. And Peter could, it could happen next week before we get to a multiverse stuff on Thursday with Spider-Man. It could happen here in, in, in the slightly less uh, less crazy world of, 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 uh, of Hawkeye. So it'll be what it'll be. They could be variants. They could be. Luckily, Pete, no variants uh, over on our Patreon. All true people supporting the cause here, making sure that uh, we continue to be able to support the storage and bandwidth, etc. And uh, whether it's 084 or any of the other people who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek, they have our thanks. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. Takes just a dollar a month to get you behind that door, particularly now at the end of the year when our bills are coming due. Can't contribute just now? Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating or a review to any of our 25 podcast feeds. 
Hawkeye could still really use it. We only have 14 ratings at this point, although we're running a strong 4.7 out of 5. Uh, Book of Boba Fett could really use it as well after a couple one-star drive-bys from people that can't even write a real review to tell us why we would earn a one-star rating. Support in its many forms always appreciated. Pete, with two episodes to go and with the potential for the the Hawkeye world to be reshaped next week and then maybe the whole MCU to be reshaped the day after that, how can people be in touch with you to talk about Hawkeye, to talk about Daredevil, to talk about Marvel Netflix, to talk about uh, Spider-Man and so forth? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. Matt, this number is real, and I'm going to read it here. 12,234. So, one, two, two, three, four. Followers can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH. Like it today. If you're listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we're back tomorrow for Discovery. It's next week where things get interesting with uh, No Way Home, Discovery, Hawkeye, uh, Boba Fett Final Preview somewhere in the mix as well. But uh, in the short term, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Did someone say parties? Jingle bells, jingle bells.